Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. It's good to be with you this morning. For any of you who don't know me, my name is Saul Ross, and um, I'm better known as the husband of the infamous Ms. Patty. And she is uh, downstairs with the preschoolers this morning. Uh, My wife and I have been at City of Refuge Church now since 2009, so 12 years. And I served on the session as an elder from 2014 through 2019. Uh, And then I rotated off after 2019 and became what the Presbyterian Church calls an inactive elder. Um, You know, I'm not sure how I feel about that terminology, inactive, but we'll let that go for now. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I was announced here as as being one of the ones having a birthday, and uh, I have to tell you that that birthday was one of those milestone birthdays because I turned three-quarters of a century. Well, your reaction is better than mine was, uh, because my first reaction was really kind of like uh, the the famous painting by Edvard Munch of The Scream. That was my first reaction, but then, uh, you know, then I thought about it and felt blessed by the Lord that he's given me 75 years. Yes. So I want to begin this morning by asking some questions of our congregation. And uh, first, I want to ask a question of our children. And uh, what, what I want to ask you is, can you think of adults in your life other than your parents who you have really enjoyed and appreciated and you really look up to. And these could be grandparents, aunts and uncles. It could be Sunday school teachers, school teachers, just friends of your parents. I want you to think about any that come to your mind of of those kind of adults in your life. And then I want to ask our adults here to think about older adults that may have really had a significant influence on your life, who you have looked up to, who maybe have mentored you, uh, but who you have been blessed by. And then I'd also like you to think about any younger people who you've had the opportunity to be an influence on their lives uh, other than your own children. People the Lord has just put in your way who you have uh, been a light to and you've been able to influence. So I want you to kind of think about those people that the Lord brings to mind and what you particularly have enjoyed and appreciated about them. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just thank you for, for these people you have blessed us with in our lives, sometimes that we just take for granted, but people who just have supported us and loved us and mentored us and been examples to us. And we thank you for people you may have placed in our lives uh, to, to likewise 
be an example to and mentor. We just thank you for those people, Lord, and we are so blessed by them. And Lord, we thank you for this body of Christ you've placed us in. We just are so blessed by it and blessed by each other. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. So today we're continuing our series on reconciled, moving from division to unity. In this, in this sermon series, we've been exploring things that tend to divide us, things that tend to, to create walls, things that can be destructive to our unity. Two weeks ago, John Agege talked about racism and ethnocentrism, uh, how they're contrary to God's good creation of a diverse people made in his, in his image, uh, and how Jesus has broken down the walls that separate us and calls us to join him in continuing to break down those walls. And then last week, Ellen Freemian talked about the sin of sexism and the different lens we may see through that can negatively see, negatively cause us in how we view males and females. And our call to put those lenses aside and be able to see with the eyes of God and see how we are all created in God's image, and, and we're all to honor each other. Well, today I'm going to talk about generational conflict. Next slide, please. Uh, and ways that it can be destructive in the church and how we can address our generational differences in ways that actually move us from division to unity. My focus is going to be on our relationships within the church family and not on parent-child relationships. Generational conflict is, is not a sin in and of itself. It happens, but it can be a breeding ground for sin because it could lead us to places of pride, to dishonoring, to disrespecting, uh, to building walls that separate us, to a failure to love. Um, it has negative outcomes sometimes that do happen in the, in the church. But this is a topic that usually is just uh, not really on our radar screen. But, but our um, session felt like it would be good to talk about this. And so that's what, that's what I'm looking at today. So what can we gain by addressing this issue? If we increase our understanding of generational differences and increase our appreciation of the contributions of different generations, and we embrace our call as Christians to honor each other, we can build unity in our congregation. We can make good use of each generation's gifts and abilities and talents. And we can be a place that welcomes, includes, and reaches people of all different ages. That's really uh, the vision that we have. For the purpose of this message, I'm going to use the definition. Next slide, please. A group of people who are connected by their place in time with common boundaries and a common character. A generation tends to have some commonality of beliefs, tendency to a particular worldview, 
It's often shaped by the circumstances and the events in their formative years. So some of the ways of breaking down these generations who are alive today are the traditionalists or builders born before 1946, the baby boomers born between 1946 and 64, the, connect, the Generation X born between 1965 and 1980, Generation Y are the millennials born between 1981 and 1996, and then Generation Z and A born after 1996. While it can be helpful to look at certain commonalities within these generations, it's also very important that we don't make assumptions based on them, that we don't stereotype. Not all baby boomers are alike, not all millennials millennials are alike, and so on. And, and the characteristics of generations tend to change over time. My generation, the baby boomers, certainly looked very different in the turbulent years of the 1960s than that generation looks today. You can get tons of information on all of this on the internet. Um, but I think what, what I want to focus on today, rather than looking at each of these generations, is just look at tendencies of differences between older generations and younger generations. And we can look at those differences and think about how they can become stumbling blocks and uh, become areas of conflict for us. So just talking about these, uh, older generations might typically say, I'm open to change, but not so fast. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We tried that before, and it didn't work. Younger generation would be more likely to say, I like change. It needs to happen faster. It's broken. We need to fix it now. Older might say, I like collaboration, but structures, organizations, and hierarchy provide necessary order and stability. The younger might be more inclined to say, collaboration is a key value for me. Structures and organizations tend to just get in the way of dialogue and progress. I have an aversion to hierarchy and what I see as top-down leadership. The older generation might say, commitment in the church is important to me. There are things I'm not happy about, but I'm hanging in there. The younger generation might be more likely to say, there are things I'm not happy about, and if they don't change soon, I'm moving on. The older might say, let's don't rush things. We need to carefully process before we do anything. The younger might say, Let's get on with it. I want to make a difference in the world. Older generations tend to say, listen to us. We have the wisdom that comes from many years of experience. Younger generations may say, listen to us. We have the ideas and energy and a lot to offer if you will just hear us out. Older might say, I've learned to be pretty quick to forgive mistakes and failures, both my own and others. 
That's because I've experienced so many of them myself. Younger might say, I get really frustrated and impatient by mistakes and failures, both my own and those of others. I set high standards, and it really bugs me that people don't live up to them. Older often say, I do see the value of technology, but it frustrates me, and I still prefer face-to-face -face communications. Younger would say, as for technology, bring it on more and better. Older sometimes say, in worship, I prefer the traditional music from my own cultural background. Please don't make the music so loud. The younger are more likely to say, I like contemporary music and I'm open to new expressions. I appreciate the energy that loud music can bring. And the older might say, it can be good to address differences among us, but sometimes I think it's better just to put our focus on areas of agreement. We're younger or more likely to say, the best way to deal with differences among us is to have conversations about them. That's part of being authentic. And the older might say, I get really concerned about worldly culture's influence on the church. We need to be careful to be true to biblical principles. Younger might instead put it this way. Biblical principles are important to me, and I think it's biblical to try to hear out and include people with non-traditional views and lifestyles. And finally, older might say, Communication is important, but everyone doesn't need to know everything or be informed about everything. People need to trust others, especially leaders, and take initiative to find out what they need to know. The younger are more likely to say, communicate, 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 often about everything and to everyone. So once again, these are broad generalizations, and they're certainly not characteristic of everyone in a particular age group. However, the generational differences are real, and they do sometimes play out in the church in the form of conflict that can lead to serious breakdowns in unity. They can look like this. Or perhaps this. Or even this. So how have we seen these kind of conflicts play out at times in our church in the past? Next slide, please. Some older people, being the demographic minority, can feel that they don't have a place in the church, that they're not included. In some cases, they felt a painful loss of close peer relationships. Some elders in leadership have felt disrespected, not understood, unsupported, not given the benefit of the doubt. But on the other hand, some younger people have felt not valued, not being heard, feeling like they can't trust the leadership. Worship styles in most churches can trigger a lot of emotions. And some people have been unhappy with the City of Refuge worship style, and it's been a stumbling block for them. 
Some people have felt like communication expectations have not been bad. So all of these things can be contributing factors to people feeling really dissatisfied and leaving our church. We've experienced a particular loss here over the last few years of older people and men who have served as elders. Now, the reasons for these losses are varied, and uh, there are a lot of different individual circumstances. But the outcomes of generational conflict have certainly had a bearing on these losses. I think the good news is that in the last year and a half, we've seen some lessening of these negative outcomes from generational conflict. We've had a session whose really worked hard to address the issues that tend to divide us. Um, and, and so they've been addressing this and really been trying to listen to people and be inclusive. However, we still need to be alert to ways that generational conflict can crop up and lead us to breakdowns in our unity. The scriptures speak to the sin which so easily entangles us and the call to lay it aside. So what should we do about this? Uh, the first place to look is the scriptures. The word of God is the lamp to our feet, the light to our path. Well, I want to focus on some of the scriptures that should inform our hearts and minds about this. 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 through 2 says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. This scripture is a beautiful picture of respect for different generations. I mean, here Paul is first sending a younger man, Timothy, into a church to teach and giving him instruction on how to relate to the people in the church. It, it, it speaks to God gifting a younger man. And the instruction to teach the church as he would his own family to relate to the people in the church as he would it is his own family. And um, that, that was a a meaningful instruction to give in those times when part of the culture was to really honor the people in one's own family. This, this passage shows that older men may in fact need rebuking, but the manner of doing this should be one of humility and gentleness and patience and respect. Likewise, younger men and older women and younger women are all to be treated with respect. Leviticus 19.32 says, You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. In this scripture, we see the, the special place of honor that God has for the people who are older. We see this theme in many places in the scriptures, along with the honor due to people who are in positions of authority, such as fathers, mothers, and elders in the church. 
I think we know this is not a strong point of Western culture, but it is a principle of the kingdom of God and should be a characteristic of our culture as Christians. When I was a young man in graduate school, I was given an assignment to interview and write a paper on a retired minister. And so I spent many hours with this man. It was a major assignment for me. And I would spend afternoons with, with him sitting on his front porch and listening to him just talk about his life experiences and his, his approach to life and the things that were meaningful to him. And I mean, there are things that he said that I remember that are like deep in me after all those years. He had a, just a big impact on me. And he, he mentored me. Um, and it was, it was a tremendous blessing to be mentored by this older man. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. In this verse, we see the valuing of the, of the gifts God has given the young and the, their calling in the body of Christ. We're not just to honor and respect the old among us, but the young as well. And we are so very blessed at City of Refuge to have so many young people who God is clearly gifted and in many instances given them spiritual maturity beyond their chronological years. I'm constantly learning in our body from these people and growing spiritually because I what, what I see in them. It's a tremendous blessing. I, I like to say about some of the younger people in our congregation that they're what I want to be like when I grow up. <laughs> There's a passage in Colossians verse, chapter 3, verse 21, that says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. This verse be, speaks specifically to fathers, but I also see in it the responsibility for older generations to exercise care and, gen and gentleness in our treatment of the young so that they will not be discouraged and will want to persevere and grow in the faith. Next, I'd like to look at a couple of scriptures about how we are to relate to those who have been called to the office of elder in the church. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 says, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over you, your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I tell you, it would have been hard for me to talk about these particular passages a couple of years ago when I actually was on the session, because uh, it would have seemed to have been saying, hey folks, give me double honor, I'm ready for it. Uh, but I feel like now that I'm an inactive elder, uh, I have a little bit more latitude to speak to this, um, because 
Because these verses really give a strong message of how we are to treat our elders who have been called by the Lord and charged by our congregation to lead us. Especially since our senior pastor left and we had staff turnover and the pandemic hit us, our elders on the session have carried a huge load on our behalf. They've done it without complaining, with diligence, with sacrifice, out of love for the Lord in this body. They've striven to be transparent to the congregation, to involve and honor all of us. So we need to ask ourselves, are we giving them double honor? Are we stepping in in every way we can to support them? Are we giving them reason to be joyful? Even when we disagree with them, and as we give input to them as is fitting and appropriate, are we doing this with a godly spirit, the spirit that we see in the scriptures? So how do we live out these scriptures at City of Refuge? There are lots of things that we can do. Look for ways to show respect and give honor to all in the congregation, children, youth, all of the different generations of adults. Recognize that God pours out His Spirit and gives His gifts to young and old alike. Give opportunity for multiple and diverse gifts to be expressed. Be aware of generational differences and wise about them, but don't overstate or stereotype. Be intentional about welcoming, welcoming all who come to City of Refuge. Um, I want to speak to when Patty and I first came here in 2009. We were honestly overwhelmed by the love we received from the get-go, like from the first Sunday we came, uh, and from the honoring and the valuing that we felt and we have continued to feel that way through the years. And it, it, it keeps us here and it keeps us loving this body of Christ. Um, this is what we want for all who come here. We should be intentional about including and involving all generations in our worship services. What a blessing today. What an example we had with the Culpepper family up here. Uh, leading us in our worship. That was just, just so precious. Ellen Freemian shared with me this past week that when she was preparing a Sunday school lesson on the book of Joel, she was really struck by a passage in the second chapter. Joel 2 verse 16 says, Assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants, let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride come out of her bridal chamber. This is such a vivid picture of God's people as family. We know that we've been hampered in the last year and a half by the pandemic, but it's always such a joy when children are able to participate in our worship services and when different families and, and members are able to come forward. Uh, we've had the joy of cross-generational participation on worship teams through the years here. There's just a special spirit, a special joy when we come together truly as family. 
so much more than just a collection of individuals. We need to be intentional about including people of different generations in small groups. I tell you, part of the joy for Patty and me at City of Refuge is for years now to have been in a community group with different generations and with mainly younger people than, than we. We dearly love and appreciate each person in our group, and we've been particularly blessed to have in our group the Beard and the Woo children, who are now ages 4 through 11, and uh, just such a blessing to watch them grow and to, to have relationships with them. Um, I mean, it's just, it's precious. They, you know, they, they'll refer to us as Mr. Saul and Ms. Patty, or sometimes even Uncle Saul and Aunt Patty. And what a blessing that is for us. Uh, we have a precious grandchild, but she lives in another state, another city. Uh, so having children like that, who we are able to relate to in this congregation is very precious to us. Um, yesterday we had a men's gathering here and um, I was so blessed that Moses Culpepper came with his father Elijah. And uh, what a blessing to have Moses with us participating in that meeting. And we've had the blessing here of watching uh, young people, like I'm, I'm thinking of Ben Barnes and the Soma girls uh, as, as, as youth and then grow and mature uh, into such beautiful young men and women uh, and now are off to college. Uh, what, what a blessing that is for us. In addition to our community group, I meet uh, weekly by Zoom with a group of four men for the purpose of just sharing our lives, supporting each other spiritually, praying for each other. One of these, uh, of the four of us, one of the men is one generation behind me and two of them are two generations behind me. Um, I love these men and I offer what I can to them and, and they offer a lot to me. Uh, so it's a picture of being open and ready to both give and receive. We need to have multiple opportunities for interactions and relationship building in our church, both with mixed generations, as I've been talking about, but also at times for people in similar life circumstances. I think that's valuable and important. Uh, there's a richness in all of these kinds of times together. Um, I'm aware of someone in our congregation who's taking the initiative right now to arrange a get-together next month for some of the older men in our congregation. Uh, and I really feel blessed by that. Be intentional about giving all at City of Refuge the opportunity to be heard, to feel connected, and to feel valued. I'm, I'm so blessed that our session is really working to do that. Assume the best about our elders' motivations. Look for ways to support them and to give honor to them. Re with regard to worship music, we can't please everyone. But, but I have learned since my experience here, which when I came here, the, the worship style was honestly very different than 
what I experienced in the past and what had been really meaningful to me. But over time, I've really learned to appreciate uh, the different worship styles. And I found that as I've been willing to be open, uh, you know, I found that I can be drawn into the presence of the Lord with lots of different styles. And there's, there's a richness there and a blessing. Likewise, we should honor and support our worship leaders. They're serving us in well and should be respected and honored. Employ multiple communication strategies. Don't just depend on one. Make special efforts to reach out to congregants who feel isolated or disconnected. Emphasize opportunities for involving different generations together in ministry. You know, nothing builds unity like serving together. Address any signs of disunity head on. Don't sweep them under the rug. Get them out there and address them. As Pastor Rufus used to say, he was the pastor when I first came here, I'm about to take my seat. But I first want to read some scriptures that are familiar to us and speak, I think, so compellingly to our calling as the body of Christ in this place. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's good for us to meditate on these scriptures. Let them transform our hearts and minds as we live into them. These scriptures are not an idealistic picture uh, of something that we actually can't achieve. These represent who we are in Christ. This is who we are. This is our identity. And this is who we're becoming as image bearers of God. We're called together as the body of Christ. We need each other. I want to close by reading Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Dear brothers and sisters, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus abides in us and we in him. Jesus is the one who breaks down the barriers. May we keep our eyes fixed on him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.